Welcome to the H&H Purchasing Marketplace, your podcast for updates and trends on all things purchasing. I'm your host, Josh Cohen. Today's episode, Supply Chain. What's the current status and outlook ahead? We're excited to have Eric Forty, H&H Purchasing's Director of Vendor Relations, speaking with us today. Amongst the many responsibilities Eric has with the H&H, he oversees all vendor bids, product catalogs, pricing updates, and more. Eric has experience working with over 100 vendors in our network and continues to monitor the current product updates. So let's jump right into it. Eric, thanks for taking the time to speak with us today. Thanks for having me here today. I think it's safe to say that the supply chain issues in the food industry can be felt from food service to the consumers. We see it in our everyday life. You go into a, any supermarket, you're seeing empty shelves across multiple categories. So let's dive into this a bit further, starting with the source of the product, the manufacturers. What can you tell us? So as you said, when you go into a supermarket these days, you never know what you're going to find. Uh, different shelves in different you know areas each time you go in kind of surprise me. Um, one day will be fruit punch juice boxes and Gatorade, and then the next day, as we all experienced during the holiday season, cream cheese. Um, so we went to the manufacturers and you know trying to get down to the root of the problem and see what's going on. And they're giving us a lot of feedback, which is great. They're telling us about significant labor challenges, which is no surprise to any of us, and their plants. They're still experiencing COVID, and even with the vaccine, and um, depending on geographically where they are, they may have a COVID shutdown if a large population comes down with COVID. There's still employee protests going on, and we saw that starting last summer, and it's really been continuing on across different manufacturers. And of course, when there's a protest, that leads to a shutdown of the plant which then leads to a significantly you know, delayed product. Um, in terms of the materials that they're using, their raw materials, there are delays all over the place and we're hearing about it, whether it's their chemicals that they need or the paint or the packaging materials. A lot of this is coming from overseas and as we know, there's a major backlog in overseas shipping, uh, both in the containers coming from overseas as well as in our ports, although that's starting to clear up. And we're just getting through the uh, Chinese New Year, which historically creates a shutdown in Asia of production for a few weeks. And then we feel ripple effects back here in the U.S. several months later. In terms of once they produce the product, of course, it then has to move. And with the driver shortages that are plaguing the nation, they're not immune to that. And so there's major delays in actually moving the product to the distributors to then get the product out to the customers. There's another category of, of issues, which we call kind of here internally fluke kind of things. Um, yesterday in the news, right before the Super Bowl, if you watched, uh, the Me- if you read it anywhere, the Mexican avocado imports are temporarily halted uh, after a U.S. plant safety inspector that's based in Mexico received a threatening message from a drug cartel. I don't think anyone could have predicted that from happening. Um, and then there's also diseases going around. There's the chicken bird flu again, and this time it's here in the U.S., and it's, they're predicting that it's just starting out now and it's going to get bad again. So there's all kinds of unpredictable things when you're already starting with a severed or you know supply chain um, that leads to even more significantly delayed product from arriving. We're also seeing from the manufacturers, uh, one of the things, one of the tools they're using is SKU consolidation. And what we mean by that is they produce a large number of SKUs typically. Uh, We can take Tyson, for example, that might produce 30 or 40 different chicken tenders, each with a slightly different flavor profile, but generally the same idea. And what they're doing is they're consolidating their products. So Tyson, for example, might only now produce 10 chicken tenders. They're looking to either their most profitable products or their easier, less labor intensive products in order to get the the goods out. Um, We're also seeing this in cereal. And remember, we're talking food service here. And uh, in food service right now, Frosted Flakes is, is not really possible to order. And so common things like Frosted Flakes, you could never imagine not having, but right now you literally can't get Frosted Flakes in food service. So being prepared for skew consolidation is an important thing to think about. And we're going to get into that a little bit further. Uh, the final point I'd like to make is manufacturers across the country are seeing a demand increase. Uh, There was pent-up demand back from when COVID quarantines were really happening, but still restaurants are seeing an increase in business, which is leading to um, a demand in food service goods. And so that demand coupled with supply chain challenges like labor shortages is really the perfect storm. 
It's interesting. I mean, I, like you said, I think we're, we're seeing it definitely in our everyday life. Uh, I know leading up to the Super Bowl, uh, it, it seemed to be in the news uh, on, on most you know, major news channels about the protests uh, with the truckers um, up in Canada and that it was trickling down to the U.S. I think at one point they stopped, thought that it was going to disrupt the Super Bowl. And then uh, even today, being Valentine's Day, the, you know, the, the report on roses being that they're, they're three times more expensive uh, and they, they're tracing it back to that the roses should have been planted two years ago, which was you know, right in the beginning of COVID and um, that they never got that done. So therefore, the, the crop never took and uh, they're behind. So I, I'm, I'm guessing that's pretty, uh, it can be applied to most categories and things you're seeing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also read in the roses that they weren't really available. So we're going to go with that for our wives this year. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and then I think, you know, a couple other things that you mentioned, and, and it really kind of put it into perspective everyday life, the, the skew consolidation. Uh, I, I'm guessing that's the reason that we're hearing as, as kids, my, my kids included, come home from uh, school and say that the, the school lunch um, menu has changed. Um, it's not what they normally get. Um, you know, we, I know you and I have seen reports come across our email of, of crazy stories of, of even a school district, I think it was out in Michigan, suggesting to people to, um, everyone has to bring their own lunch. They couldn't even get the food. Right. Uh, so is that kind of pretty consistent? Absolutely. From- yeah, we're seeing that. And again, it's, it's across the entire country. I think that's an important part to make. Yeah. And, I, and I guess there's one other on that is the, the cereal, which, you know, in, in our world of camps, that, that's a kind of a major issue. It, Absolutely. It, I guess normally the, the food service production on a sugared cereal is probably uh, on the smaller amount versus the, the non-sugar for because of schools during the year. And is that something that they, they generally start to ramp up? And, and are they telling you, you know, that they are hopeful or... You know, what, what do you think? What's, what's your opinion on that? As well, the well, yeah, there, there definitely is a shift during the school year. They, they produce either with less sugar or more whole grain cereals. But, you know, right now they're just trying to produce products. So they really aren't able to predict out what they're going to have or what they're not going to have by the time the summer comes around. But they're telling us to prepare our members, which is what we're doing, and prepare camps to have some significant challenges for the summer. Well, so that, that's a little, I guess, about the manufacturers. Well, uh, can you tell us a little bit more what's going on with the distributors, how this is affecting them, how it affects the, the end user, in our case, the summer camps? Absolutely. So as you know, uh, we together visited three of the largest food distributors all in the same day. Uh, they might not be happy to hear that part, but we were uh, visiting with Cisco, U.S. Foods, and Performance Food Service Group, and uh, they were all in agreement, um, essentially, that we are not through the worst of it. And when all three of them align in the same way, it's <laughs> kind of surprising when that happens. Um, there are some indicators that things are coming back for sure. Uh, but what they're telling us is when you think things are starting to improve and things look a little better, something else inevitably happens um, that's unpredictable and we're back to where we started. Um, they told us significant major shortages in the disposables categories, which uh, we're certainly seeing in our office here. A lot of these items are imported items, um, and so there's reasons for those delays. And then there are specific food product types. Uh, we're going to dive into that a little bit later on in this discussion. Um, one of the key indicators that the distributors use is their fill rates, um, both from the manufacturers to them and then their outgoing fill rates to the clients. Um, the fill rates from the manufacturers um, generally used to be, you know, of course, they strive for 100%. It's as low currently as 60% coming inbound to them. And what that means uh, in layman terms is that what they, whatever they order from the manufacturers, uh, it's getting cut and they're only getting around 60% of that from certain manufacturers. Um, now, you know, some people would say, well, then they should just increase their orders, but it's not as simple as that. Um, the manufacturers are prepared for that. And what they do is they put all of the distributors on what's called allocation. And what they do with allocation is they look at the history of the orders over the past few months. They each have their own kind of criteria and they allocate product based on that. Um, Now, you know, an astute listener would say, well, camps, the challenge with that, of course, is if they're looking back at the past few months, the history is significantly different when camps start because camps aren't ordering in the spring season or in the winter season even. They're starting to order in the late spring. And so, yes, that is going to be a major problem for the camps, 
when all of a sudden their demand increases significantly. Um, now, of course, some of the products that camps order is similar to schools. And so when the school business starts to fall off, camps will pick up some of that. So that will be helpful. But there are other camp specific products that really is going to be a problem with the large volume um, of cases that camps simply need. Um, one of the ways that that vendors and distributors get around kind of the manufacturer allocation and, and low fill rates is they have gone historically to a redistributor. One of them um, is Dot Foods, and you may see their white trucks on the road. They have a blue dot on them, and they say DOT on them. Um, dot is a great tool for the manufacturers, and it was basically um, built based on the necessity of, of distributors who needed less than truckload kind of things. Um, they can order as few as just a few cases from them. Um, but of course, all the companies tried to do the same thing at the same time, and they started hitting up Dot for a lot more than what the dot was planning. And so now dot has major shortages um, and is overwhelmed with demand. And I, I, I use dot as an example, but of course there's many other redistributors I should say. Um, so they're all overwhelmed with demand. They're cutting orders that are going to the distributors. And we're also seeing that they're delivering less frequently to the distributors because they have a lack of labor as well as the driver shortages. So again, it's a combination of everything that's happening in the marketplace across the country um, that's just leading to this challenge for from everyone, from the manufacturers and to the distributors as well. So, so just to be clear, when the vendors are telling us they're getting it from Dot, that's not our Ant Dot. Just, yeah. but, uh, dot foods, and, Dot and, foods. <laughs> and, and, I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, that, that is something I think, you know, we would both agree. We, we've heard pre-COVID, there was a, a large movement to the redistributors. Uh, the, the product lines are getting bigger and bigger where the, the vendors aren't and especially the distributors are not able to carry everything. Correct. So it's, it's been helpful, but I can definitely see how in, in this situation. Um, Just remember also when they go to a redistributor, the price is increased because there's a third party handling it. But you know, to your point about the, the amount of items, so gluten-free items typically would come from DOT because camps don't need pallets of it. They'd need a few cases of it. Um, so a lot of these kind of items are where the redistributors are handy, but if they don't have it, then they can't get it to the distributors either. And, and I guess I'm just kind of thinking out loud and, 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 you know, kind of get your thoughts on it as well. Um, I know allocation, um, is in a normal year in, in having the distributors work with what camps want and the amount that they bring in that in a good year, the buyers are looking back at historical numbers, but is it right to say that those numbers are, are going to be way off because last year they were getting kind of different things than because it was a COVID summer that they were dealing with. So some different foods and, and when they were, they were basically getting, you know, at one point, you know, throwing as many darts and getting. <laughs> so it, it seems it's a challenge we have in a normal year. Right. Is this, this seems like it's going to be even a bigger challenge this year with distributors to try to figure out what, what they need to bring in and the amounts. Yeah, I mean, more advanced distributors, some of the larger ones, of course, it's more automated. So their computers are doing most of the thinking with this and throwing camps in there is kind of messes up their calculations. And then the just smaller distributors that do it, you know, where they have typical buyers that are sitting behind a desk, the buyers don't generally understand camp. And so it's definitely a challenge um, for them to know what to bring in. We're going to get into it, I think a little bit later, but one of the you know values of, of that H and H purchasing can bring to our vendor network is the data and 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 like I said, we're going to talk about that a little bit later too. Okay. So Eric, if we, if we take into kind of what you've told us now a little bit about the manufacturers and about the distributors, how's this going to compare to last summer for camps and, and how they're ordering and what they're going to be experiencing? What what are you what are your thoughts? So obviously that's a really good question. Um, within our office, I think we kind of had the thinking that last summer was the worst of it and it would improve from there. Um, but unfortunately, that's definitely not the reality. Um, with our year-round clients, um, we're seeing you know that's certainly not the case. And what we're being told, as we've discussed with the distributors, we are not through the worst of it. Um, the bottom line is the supply chain disruptions and product availability is worse than it was during last summer. Um, there's a few reasons that I say that. Um, <clears throat> leading into summer of 2021, um, there were definitely not as many widespread supply chain challenges that there are now. Um, there were some back then, but it was not like this. 
and there weren't major labor shortages. Um, historically, as I said before, drivers have always been a challenge, truck drivers to, to find. And, you know, the, the work that a truck driver has to do delivering to, I don't know, 10 or 15 stops a day and unloading, it's not the most glamorous job. So that's always been a problem, but not this kind of widespread labor shortage, even in the warehouse as well. Um, the other thing is, remember last year, that some of the vendors were definitely skittish about bringing in large amounts of product for summer camps. Um, most camps, many camps did not open in summer 2020. And so they were concerned that what if we bring all this in and camps didn't open in 2021. Um, but as we saw COVID numbers decreasing in the spring with assurances from us and, and everyone in our industry, as well as I think the general optimism in the media, the vendors definitely started believing in the spring camps are going to open and they worked with us hand in hand for the lead up to camp to do what needed to be done, which is essentially bring in large quantities of product and start stockpiling for the camps. So the spring was looking pretty good. We were working diligently with our vendor partners. We were looking at usage, as you mentioned, from summer 2019 and advising them what camps would need. And to that point, we we're even telling them that they would need more. Uh, we were seeing increased attendance at most of our member camps. Um, we know that there were going to be less trips out of camp back last summer. And remember, most staff, you know, initially at least, were not going to be able to leave camp for nights off and days off, which meant more feeding of people and even the creation of a fourth meal in many cases. So we were advising the vendors all along about this increased demand, um, working hand in hand with them um, to buy opportunity buys, which are one of the best tools for camps. Um, it, just a few examples of opportunity buys, truckloads of products that's rejected because the, the spec might slightly be off or overruns. Um, we also see if manufacturers are creating new products, they might have some seconds, meaning it's not exactly perfect, but it's you know certainly good enough. And so they sell that at a deep discount. Um, the market in spring 2021 for these products was certainly tight, um, but it was still there. It was a viable market on the seconds market. Now what we're finding as we talk to manufacturers and distributors leading into next summer, the summer 22, the market is almost non-existent for, for these kinds of products. Um, one example of that is a sugarcane compostable plate that we have worked with for, for several summers now for our member camps where we were getting seconds on sugarcane plates. Um, the pigmentation might slightly be off or the die cut didn't perfectly round the edges on it. And so they were selling it at a deep discount. Well, now they're either burning it down and remanufacturing it for raw material, or they're you know doing something else with it where they're they're not selling it on the seconds market like they used to at those discounts. And remember, the manufacturers by doing SKU consolidation are also getting more efficient at what they're doing and producing products better. So there's just not as many errors anymore when they're producing this stuff. Um, so with all that said, you know, we're working hard with our vendors and our direct contacts from some of these manufacturers to secure whatever opportunity buys exist because we know there's cost savings, but more importantly, it's product availability that they can get it. Um, but opportunity buys are definitely going to come more expensive and, um, there's going to be just a decrease in product all along. So to sum up, you know, this section with a question you asked about what what do we think is going to compare to last summer? We think it's going to be harder. We think it's going to be tighter um, supplies or I not think we're told there's going to be tighter supplies. And so camps definitely have to plan ahead. And, and we're going to talk about some strategies, I think, a little further on for that as well. So it, it definitely, from what you're saying, sounds like it's going to be a tough summer. I, I guess the silver lining for all of us is um, that we've experienced it. So this is not a shocking uh, I think for anyone in, in camp or in food service, you know, the last year has, has been like nothing they've ever seen and nothing ever anyone ever thought would happen. So being yeah, better we, prepared is, you know. Yeah, I mean, going into the summer, we had really never heard of vendors turning down business. And it's something that some camps experienced last summer, we know, um, where vendors just couldn't distribute to a certain area or to certain types of, of camps. And so you definitely make a fair point that we are more prepared. And like I said, we're going to talk about some strategies that camps can use to get through it for sure. Yeah. And, and I think the other silver lining on everything is on the consumer side, this is no longer kind of a hidden thing. I think last summer, you probably would agree as, as we were going through it, 
um, helping all of the, the, our members and in, in understanding what was going on, it, it was a disconnect to the to the general population. Definitely, you know, we spoke speak to our friends, our family, and they they were telling us, no, there's no shortages. I, I'm seeing everything. And in last summer, for the most part, that was true um, in in their eyes. But as I think we came out of the summer, as we spoke about earlier, it's it's hitting the supermarket. So I think people hopefully will have a better understanding and, and understand, you know, what what needs to happen to, to make sure that this is going to be a productive uh, summer for everyone. So Eric, if you're looking at everything, is there specific products or categories that you're seeing major issues? I mean, I, I know when we, when we met with all the major distributors and, and even from some of the manufacturers, there's warnings of possible issues getting French fries, which I, I just can't imagine at, at camp, um, or even possibly tomato soup. How, how can you have grilled cheese without tomato soup? Right. You know what? What are you hearing, seeing? Anything of known issues that people should be aware of, or kind of what? What's your thoughts? So there are definitely some specific categories. We can start with food, um, as you mentioned, potatoes and French fries are one of the concerning areas. Um, camps that serve bacon and pork products, the pre-cooked bacon last summer was so challenging to get and still it hasn't recovered, which is pretty amazing that we're, you know, in February and there's still, there's still not much pre-cooked bacon. Um, processed chicken, which is another big camp product. We mentioned Tyson earlier, but all breaded chicken products, anything that had to be processed as well as the specific sized boneless, skinless chicken breast. Again, another popular camp item, a grilled chicken breast where you may have to buy the chicken breast randoms, which are random sized boneless skinless chicken breasts that need to get cut to size. Um, certainly PC products, which is no surprise to anybody throughout COVID, um, portion control products, things in little cups, um, syrup cups, cream cheese cups, coffee creamers, to name a few. The packaging materials are either not available, delayed getting to the, to the vendor, to the manufacturers. And again, with the significant demand increase, they're just, still having problem producing. Um, we mentioned cereals earlier, but specifically the bowl packs for cereals. Um, that's definitely going to be quite a challenge for this summer. Um, Pre-cooked frozen eggs was a problem last summer. Things like egg patties, omelets, still seeing tr challenges there. A random one is pudding, um, you know, but kids like pudding and definitely the pudding cups, but even in the, in the cans, um, pudding is short. Graham crackers, which is certainly important for s'mores. Uh, can't have s'mores without graham crackers. Um, and finally, I'd say canned soda, which might not impact many camps, but the aluminum shortage is definitely being felt in food service with the canned goods. Um, moving on to disposables, so I wanna make sure we touch on some of that as well. Foam in general, which we know many states have banned, um, especially in the Northeast, but there are some camps in certain areas that still use foam. Foam is probably the hardest thing to get right now, and it has been for quite a while. And the prices of foam are almost in line with some of the heavier duty paper products. Um, of course, a thin paper plate doesn't compare to a foam plate in durability, but some of the compostable plates or heavier paper coated plates do compare, and they might actually be the same price as foam, which is really unbelievable. Um, any of the disposables that are imported, for example, plastic cutlery, forks, knives, spoons, those kind of products that are imported, they're less expensive. You know, a box might be five, six dollars. Um, there's major shortages there. Aluminum pans, no surprise with the aluminum shortage that uh, disposable aluminum pans are definitely a big problem. Uh, trash liners, garbage bags, we saw that as a challenge last summer and still continue to today. So Josh, you know, when we talk to some of our, our members in our camps and we're working on their opening orders, believe it or not, in February for disposables, they, their first question is, I only want to, or first statement is, I only really want to buy those items maybe that um, you're concerned about. So we'll start going down our list and it's like, okay, well, trash bags, yes, we're concerned. Napkins, no, we weren't so concerned. But just last week when we spoke to one of the major manufacturers of napkins and paper towels, they told us of a major shortage of that, of that item. Um, so literally as we're going down the list, it's almost every single item uh, maybe you don't hear about toilet paper right now, but I don't want anyone to hold that <laughs> me to that. Uh, the toilet paper was, I think, last summer's saga, and everyone stocked up on it. But again, all these disposable products are just majorly short, and uh, anything imported is certainly a problem. 
Yeah, and I think it's important, you know, you noted earlier um, that there's a lot of factors, um, and, and some of these are COVID-related, some of these are, are production-related and, and uh, you know, staff um, issues, but there, there is others, uh, and I think on product, you talked about bacon. From our understanding, um, one of the factors on bacon is, is certain states are starting to enact new laws about uh, the welfare and, and, and care of, of the animals. I know California has a strict new bacon law that um, some places, some reports are saying, and unless there's changes, they're going to take bacon off the menu. Um, we recently were advised by a couple of our distributors that uh, the camps in Massachusetts are going to have to conform to the new cage-free egg rules, which was crazy as, as you know, you and I ran the numbers, and I think we were over three, almost four times the price mm -hmm. on, on a liquid egg. And uh, if they have to, to follow this, it, it's going to you know, go down to every single egg product they have, though it sounds like uh, maybe it's on the governor's desk for a final review. Right. So it, it, it seems like everywhere we turn, there's going to be something. And, you know, as, as you noted, it's, it's really kind of staying ahead um, and, and, and trying to get as far ahead as, as possible seems to, to be, I guess, the best strategy. Yeah, we're going to actually we can get right into the strategies if you want. Yeah, sure. Let's let's okay. go. You know, why don't you talk a little bit more? You know, what are you know what what, what are you, you suggesting? You know, how can we really you know get around this? What can camps do? Um, you know, they they really don't have a choice. We got to get food on the table. We got to get plates. You know, to put the food on. So what what should we do? So I think I think the number one thing that we should you know make sure we're all being aware of as camp directors is flexibility is key. Um, with all the doom and gloom of, the, of this podcast, and I hate to say it that way, um, the good news is we all feel confident that food and, and disposable products and everything you need is going to be available. But you just need to understand that the exact item you've used in the past just might not be available. It might not be manufactured, or if it is, it might not be available at your distributors at the time because we're all trying to access the same products. So... A few examples, um, you know, name brand bowl pack cereals. Some some of our members, and we know many camps serve name brand bowl pack cereals. Well, they might just have to switch to generic brands this this year, whether it be either in bowl pack or if you can't even get the bowl pack, it might have to be bulk cereal and served in a different manner. Um, but understanding that, you know, where we used to make this decision that we needed name brand because of the image that we were trying to portray or whatever the reasons are, if you can't get it, you can't get it. And so flexibility is key. Um, chicken tenders, we talked about already that that's an item that we know is, is important to camps and many camps are passionate about their exact chicken tender. But having an open mind, try opportunity buys that are offered to you uh, is very important. Also flexibility with your menu. Um, last summer, for example, our members were grabbing whatever we could for them. So um, from pre-cooked pot roast, which you know was something that surprised us but was such a big hit, um, where they added barbecue pulled beef sliders to their menu, perhaps. Um, there were these steak ends and pieces, which we, we talk about, and we use the camps use them for beef fajitas. Um, ch some of the chicken nuggets from McDonald's that we were able to secure because the breading profile was slightly off um, from what McDonald's tight specs are. So flexibility in using different products, changing your menu if you have to, um, is very important to get through the summer season. Um, and, and remember the other piece with these opportunity buys, we're not talking about so much, but we know that camps experienced major labor shortages last summer as well. And so keeping an open mind to some of these products when it makes sense. Um, and we always say where the cost makes sense, but it might help with, with, you know, combating labor shortages. Although hopefully for this summer, camps won't experience that as significantly as they did last summer. Um, another strategy is ordering ahead. We've mentioned that several times throughout this, this talk. Um, we recommend members are ordering their disposables, small wares, kitchen supplies now, um, mid-February, believe it or not, which is certainly earlier than, than most camps do. Um, and then for the food, order it as soon as it makes sense. Dry goods, frozen product, you know, ordering that several weeks before you're going to use it. Uh, just remember to make sure your fridges and freezers are running and being monitored. You don't want to you know, bring it all in in March and not have someone monitoring the freezers and, and your freezer go down when it's full. Um, speaking of kitchen supplies, even equipment, things like ovens, fryers, warmers, you've got, they, they have to be ordered now. Um, where we work with, with multiple um, kitchen supply companies 
And literally like a fryer from Pitco, which is one of the largest fryer companies, is a nine-month lead time, which obviously now is, is past the summer. Um, we've ordered ovens in September that are supposed to come in May for our camps. So just keeping in mind that you're ordering everything as early as possible um, will help. Now, with all of this ordering that we're saying you should have there, you have to increase your storage. There's no doubt about that. Um, being creative, looking at empty buildings, um, renting shipping containers are, are great options. Um, in terms of the refrigeration and freezer storage, renting additional one of, ones of those. We're, we work with companies or we're, you know, we're partnering with companies that can provide trailer freezers where literally they just plug in. Uh, or there's larger storage container freezers where you might need an electrician to do a hookup. But essentially what we're saying is become your own distributor where you're at least a week ahead on the food, if not longer, and you're able to pull from your own storage in case of shipping delays or products not available. You know, we're talking about all the product availability, but remember what camps did experience last summer as well was delays from their distributor. So if their delivery day was on a Monday, it was not unheard of where the truck didn't show up Monday and it didn't even show up Tuesday, but it might have rolled in on Wednesday or even Thursday morning. And, uh, you know, we, I'm, I'm laughing at it only because in, in the past it would have been one day was a major delay and, and would lead to crazy screaming and, and, you know, making it, fixing it. But nowadays two, three, even four days delay from many manufacturer from many uh, distributors is not unheard of. Um, so with that being said, one of the other strategies is to utilize multiple vendors when possible. Um, former, formerly, we would advise that, I think, more on the saving money side. And while that's still, you know, a viable reason to use multiple vendors, save money, but equally or more importantly would be product availability and delivery days. So having multiple vendors in your network that you can call upon is going to be really key for that. Uh, remember, vendors are going to have decreased delivery days. We started seeing that last summer where you may have three days a week delivery. It might now be down to two days that they offer you, maybe one day a week. So making sure that you're using multiple vendors to make sure you have your product will really help. Um, we saw a lot of will calls last summer, supermarket trips, um, having a driver on standby to do that if need be. Of course, we try to avoid that, especially with temperature sensitive food products. Um, but if you need some dry goods or something like that, a will call will certainly work. And final, finally, a, a tip to, you know, strategy is to keep your relationships or build relationships with local vendors. Uh, one of the concerns we've had in the past, and we've seen it in the news, is making sure you vet them properly, make sure they're insured, make sure that the product is is both being stored and moved at proper temperatures. You know, we, we've heard of distributors that just deliver it on, in the back of a pickup truck on a hot summer day. You certainly need to avoid those situations. But having local vendors that are in your backyard and you can rely upon is certainly valuable during these uh, challenging times. And I think that that's great, you know, great advice. I, I would say just to add on, um, and from what I'm hearing from a lot of directors, you know, it, normally some, you know, I think some people have had already scheduled services on their refrigerators and freezers and, and getting their ovens. Um, but uh, most from what I'm hearing are expecting major delays in them being able to get out. So the, the days of calling, you know, well, we're up there in May and we'll call when we get up there are probably gone. Um, and, and I think it's just important to note on our year round in our non-camp um, business, you know, we, we are dealing with a lot of this stuff. We're hearing what you're saying. Um, and, you know, there is a definitely a shift in expectations in this industry, which should be for the better. The, the, the days where I think it's very safe to say the days where you would order today for tomorrow have been gone for a little while, but even, you know, ordering for delivery that's coming in on Monday for use on, um, on, you know, on Wednesday, you know, we're not even suggesting, you know, as you said, to, to get a few more days out and, and to really, in essence, become your own distributor will help with this and, and just help you stay ahead. So there's less of a panic of, of looking for things. Absolutely. I mean, in our office, since we work with so many camps, you know, we would get calls in the past summer 19 and before from the chef saying, what time is my truck coming? I have dinner on the truck. And as much as we try to dissuade that or tell them they can't be doing that, it certainly was happening. Last summer, there was definitely a shift in, a mind, in, in, in mindsets, especially from the director side. But I think it trickled down to the kitchen where people understood that it's no longer 
what time is it coming today? It just hopefully is coming. We had deliveries 9, 10 o'clock at night, and we know it's not ideal. We know trucks driving through the middle of some of the camps, the way that the kitchens are is, is you know, less than ideal, but unfortunately it happens. So bring, that brings up another point of being prepared for late deliveries, early morning deliveries, take it when it comes, be excited it's there. If it means grabbing a pickup truck and meeting a truck at the entrance to camp, grabbing some of your support staff or counselors and unloading the truck as quickly as possible, getting the truck on the road to the next camp down the road, whatever we can do to help make sure that the deliveries occur because we're depending on this process to happen. Yeah, we, we actually, and that's a, that's a great point. I know we got calls last summer from multiple of the distributors from the heads of transportation with um, big thank yous that it, it was a notable thing that the H&H camps especially um, were all hands on decks for delivery and they were able to get them in and out. And, and I think by doing so, uh, the drivers were, were obviously trying to stay as close to on schedule as possible and trying to limit the times where they were uh, clocking out of, of hours and not able to, to finish delivery. So, But don't um, feed them lunch. Yes. <laughs> the old adage of feed your driver lunch, give it to them to go. Yes, but yeah. maybe don't use a to-go yeah. container because those are hard to get. Right. <laughs> maybe get a cup of coffee and a bar, uh, you know, a Nutri-Grain <laughs> bar or something uh, and send them on their way. But, you know... Um, you know, make them feel good. I, I think there was one camp we, we heard that the, the campers even had some signs when the guys came in. And, <laughs> That's right. Um, we, we actually got feedback that, you know, they, they, the drivers thought they were, they, they, were, they were like a superhero coming in. Right. Um, so it's, you know, doing those small things, as we all know, and, and I think camp directors, owners, camp people know more than ever, you know, about personalities, um, you know, really trying to, to, to make people feel appreciative. Um, and it, it's, it's not going to guarantee your deliveries. It's definitely going to help. Um, and, and we, we see that, um, you know, on a day to day, the, the, the days of screaming and yelling, um, which we, we still do plenty of, um, but it, it's a different way of doing things. Uh, and, and I guess that overall, it, the reality is what we're all dealing with is not easy. Um, it's new challenges. It's, it's going to be different going forward. But in essence, it, as especially Eric and I and, and the rest of our team speak to kind of the titans of the food world, they'll tell you that this, this has been years in the making. Um, COVID was probably the excel, excel, accelerator um, in that. And, you know, we, we have seen a shift. Um, the way things were, were very kind of old school and the way they managed the, the warehouses. Uh, and, and it's all going to change. Um, you know, I, I, which, you know, I think kind of coming up next, you know, as, as we kind of start to kind of finish up, but what, you know, in regards to our distributors, manufacturers, you know, what are you seeing? What are they doing to help? I know, you know, one of the things that they've talked to us about is changing cutoff times, um, trying to, you know, make the labor appreciate. And, and for those of you that don't know, and Eric, maybe we'll go in a little more, you know, warehouse workers who traditionally come in at six, seven o'clock at night and don't leave until five, you know, four, five, six o'clock in the morning. And, and it's becoming a challenge because they, they just don't want to do that job. Um, what, what are you hearing? What are they telling you? What, what are some of their um, things that they're going to do to try to help, you know, get, get beyond these challenges? So they're certainly instituting earlier cutoff times, which, you know, sometimes chefs don't like to hear, but we believe that the way that camps go through inventory and their menus are set ahead of time really shouldn't be too disruptive. Earlier cutoff times in some cases might even mean a skip day where if your delivery is on a Wednesday, the order is due Monday by five o'clock, for example. Um, they are being more innovative and maybe doing two pulls from the warehouse, for example. So they might do a cutoff of 1 p.m. and start to print the labels and, and have one crew come in at 1 p.m. to start pulling the items. And then a later pull that's later in the evening, the typical overnight pull for some of the other clients. The good news is if you have an earlier cutoff and you're getting pulled first, then certainly whatever inventory is there is going to you first. So they're definitely doing that. Um, from, from their employee side, there's certainly been an increase in wages and benefits for warehouse employees, which, um, you know, certainly a good thing to hear. Um, they are expanding their recruiting as much as they can, both in their plants and in the, in the distributor warehouses, um, both for employees and drivers. So they're doing whatever they can to hire more people um, and give them livable wages, which is great news for the employees. 
Um, one of the other creative things that, you know, maybe took a little bit longer than we would have hoped for them to do, but they're finally at the point where they're having these strike teams, they might call it, where when a plant or warehouse faces a significant disruption, whether it's employee protests or COVID, um, a team literally is a mobile team that's ready to go. They come in and help keep the operations flowing, whether it means they're driving the trucks or they're picking in the warehouse or organizing the warehouse but their support for these local teams on a national basis. Um, one of the other steps they're doing is I think um, they're relying on us more and our, us meaning our entire industry and H&H purchasing for our expertise and our data as we talked about earlier. We have data on what our camps have purchased in the past several years and they are listening to us saying, you're right, you know, having, it's kind of a joke in this office, a, a new buyer that comes into a smaller distributor where it's not as automated will say, well, I had five cases of graham crackers here and that might be their usage for a whole month in for a restaurant, you know, biz type business for the ones that don't do schools. But five cases of graham crackers for some of our larger overnight camps doesn't even cover, you know, one serving. And so when we tell them, no, you need 500 cases of graham crackers, that's, you know, a little intimidating to these new buyers. But I, I believe that the vendors see the value in this data and are listening to us more and are more apt to work with us on what needs to be brought in ahead of time because they want to sell to camps as well. And camps are, as we mentioned earlier, for vendors that have school business are a great hole, you know, fill the hole in the summer, fill the void where the schools aren't taking deliveries. So they have these employees, they need to get them to deliver. Um, and then finally, I'd say that they vendors understand that keeping costs down is important for camps. So as best they can, and it, there are still opportunities for this, they are negotiating discounts with the, with the manufacturers. And there are many manufacturers out there that might not be as well known. For example, Liquid Eggs, um, there are two major contenders, but there are some smaller ones as well. And so the smaller manufacturers that maybe are not having a production problem are getting an opportunity to go in at a at a discount to these mammoth you know distributors that never would talk to them in the past so i think the distributors are really or i'm sorry the manufacturers are apt to give a larger discount for the vendors that uh, are bringing them in because it's a good opportunity for them to show their product and get them into the camps you know, you brought up, and there's a couple of things I think would, would be worthwhile to touch upon. One is um, when you were just talking about uh, the manufacturers, and, and I don't think we really went into it and, and maybe just quickly touch upon. Um, it seems to be there's still a consolidation in the manufacturer world that, that the big ones, um, the, the big PepsiCo's, the Tyson's, right. are, are swallowing up. Can you speak a little bit about that? I know you, you mentioned Tyson as chicken. But I don't know if a lot of people realize their their full catalog of what they have beyond chicken and, and what's under the Tyson brand. Um, maybe explain a little bit about that, and and you know I think it would be worthwhile for people to hear. Right. So you know you think of Pepsi and you think of soda. Um, maybe Gatorade falls under that, but they're they're buying up as many small companies as they can, small manufacturers. So um, a lot of products are being purchased. And that goes into the discontinued then is when these larger companies come in and purchase the smaller uh, manufacturers, they are doing SKU consolidation, no surprise there. And they're only looking at the fast movers to keep and the, the, the slower movers, they're discontinuing. So um, 100 calorie snack uh, cookie packs like Lorna Dunes and 100 calorie, you know, some of our year round clients really enjoy that based on their pack sizes and their clientele simply can't get it and it's it's just not being made. Um, different sizes of the same product, so chips are a good example. PepsiCo owns Frito-Lay and they're just not producing every size barbecue chip, for example. They might only make the one ounce bag instead of the 0.75, the one ounce, and the one and a half ounce. So that's certainly happening all over the place with these consolidations that we're seeing uh, in the manufacturing side. Um. Something else you touched upon with the earlier cutoff times, and can you speak and explain a little bit more? We talked about allocation on manufacturers to distributors, um, but can you explain a little bit more of distributor allocation? And, and I realize this is um, 
not a complete industry standard. It can vary, and, and some companies do a better job at it. Um, but explain a little bit more. You know, if I if I'm uh, you know Camp Josh, and today is Monday, and I'm ordering, um, you know, for and my order is not coming till Wednesday. How how does it work? In a you know, if we simplify just the overall concept of of what that does. Sure. So um, in in most cases, um, the larger ones especially, the distributors do what's called allocation. And what that means is when the, the people who get their orders in earlier, they get the products that are there. So um, if there's 50 cases of something and you get your order in first for 40 cases, those 40 cases get locked into you at, at a certain time. Uh, for most of our vendors, we've worked hard for our camps to have 48 hour allocation, which means as long as you get your order in two days ahead, you're first to get allocated to. Um, but some of the other vendors might only do 24 hour allocation and then there are a handful that don't allocate at all, which really makes it quite a challenge. Um, the ones that allocate, you know, it, as long as their inventory is correct and um, you're going to get that product. Now, the one caveat with that is that they're relying on product coming in, of course, at all times. And this is like a revolving door in and out, in and out, of course. And so if there's a delay in what's receiving, it might, they may have allocated the product to you and you think you're getting it, but the uh, warehouse doesn't receive it in time for the 5 p.m., 6 p.m. cutoff, and so it actually doesn't get delivered to you. So that that's where the shorts come in. But allocation is is key. Um, the other pro part of this with product allocation that everyone should be aware of is that the manufacturers are cutting the distributors, the distributors are cutting the end customers at times. So again, some of the larger distributors that have more sophisticated IT systems, they may restrict you from ordering a certain number of cases uh, based on your history. So uh, Heinz ketchup last summer, we know that was a major problem. So some distributors will only allow you to buy five cases of the PC pouches. Well, that's only 500 PC ketchups, which at most camps would not <laughs> cover even one meal. So um, knowing what your allocation is going to be, knowing what your distributors set up as their rules, and also knowing what time they do their allocation um, or product reserving, if you will, commitment to you, will help in knowing when to put your orders in. One of the best things we can recommend, and we talked about ordering ahead, is get your big orders in early. Even if the distributor says your cutoff is 1 p.m. the day before, if, you, if you're set for 48 hour allocation, get your orders in two or three days ahead. And then of course, add-ons are understandable, things change, or some of your fresh product, you went through more cheese than you expected. So put an add-on in right before cutoff time, but at least get the bulk of your order in if you know you're gonna need 40 cases of frozen pizza, get that order in three days ahead because at the 48 hour mark, that's going to get allocated to you. Great. Um, you spoke a little bit and, you know, I just, uh, I, I know we can, we don't really have time to go with some specific items, but um, you talked about discontinued items and, and, and what you're hearing uh, and, and on a weekly basis, uh, I know internally what we see at H&H, &H, um, can you just give everyone kind of a sense of what that means? Um, I guess probably best to say, you know, in a quote unquote normal year, what you see in discontinued items versus what you're seeing now. And, and just, I guess, explain more, you know, what this means and, and how these come into us and, and, and how that, you know, refers and relates to the product catalog at the, sure. at the distributors. So we have uh, bids here, you know, that's how we operate and, and um, we have to keep our bids in sync with the product catalogs from the, from the distributors. And so in the normal year, if there is such a thing before 2020, uh, we would see on a typical week, maybe five to 10 at the most, but really closer to five products being discontinued. And with that, they might not even have been discontinued, but there might've been a slight change or variation in the recipe or they're getting it from a different uh, manufacturer, the same, a similar product. So it would be a discontinued and replacement at the same time. It would just be basically a SKU code, a, a change, um, code change. And the product was still available. Well, that was in 2019, let's say five to 10 a week at the most per distributor. We're now seeing anywhere from 50 to 60, and there are weeks where we'll literally see 70 to 75 items. And this is only items on our bid and our item, our bid, is, is large, but it's not obviously the same as their entire catalog. Um, and so we'll see 60 or 70 items in just one week be discontinued where it's shocking, like, oh, you can't get this item anymore and we're not stocking it. 
Um, and there are some really surprises there. One of the big ones last summer, we mentioned graham crackers. Like in, in certain areas, geographical areas, you could not get a bulk graham cracker and you had to get the two packs, um, which, you know, some people are happy with the two packs. Some weren't happy because all of the plastic and the crackers seem to be broken more. So there's just a lot of discontinued products um, that, that we're seeing. And it's discontinued either from the manufacturer, as we talked about earlier, or the distributor. Um, with with the decrease in, in labor and uh, trying to be more efficient, they are at the distributor level focusing on the big movers to make the warehouse picking process more efficient and get their employees to get it done during the overnight hours that the, the window they have. And so with less labor available, they're definitely discontinuing items that aren't moving as quickly. And again, we talked about, I talked about earlier, gluten-free products, things where it might not be a big mover, but it's very important to the camps. These are the items they're discontinuing first. So going into the summer with a plan as to what items are no longer available at your distributor and finding an alternate source, Amazon, or you know, buying direct from the manufacturer, which we do here at H&H in some you know, specific circumstances, buying retail from the supermarket. And again, understanding that there's a difference in retail packing and food service packing. And so if you see something available in the supermarket, it doesn't mean it's available in food service. And so you might need to go to the supermarket to buy some of these less popular items in food service. Yeah, I think that's a, a very good advice. And, you know, there's especially with the more trendy things, some of the special dietary items, um, we, we see that uh, whether it's the local supermarket, Amazon, uh, things of that nature. Well, Eric, that, that was definitely some great information. I think as we close things up, are, are there any kind of final words of wisdom, things you want to say to everyone as they prepare for summer 2022? Is good luck, does that count? <laughs> <laughs> definitely so. Uh, no, I mean, we have a saying here in this office, uh, so we'll share it with everybody. We say, order early, stay ahead, and be flexible. And so I think using those three ideas and concepts and all the strategies we talked about earlier in this podcast will help you get through the summer and the supply chain challenges. At the end of the day, uh, you and I and, and you know obviously all of our members and camps, we're all camp people. And so we understand what it takes to get through a summer. And if we got through summer 2021, we will get through summer 2022. And uh, we'll do it all together and helping each other out as best we can. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with that. If, if, of all the segments that we deal with, uh, camp directors, I think if there's anyone that pulls this off, it's it's definitely them. And uh, I think you know the challenges will lie ahead, but it's everything uh, is something that they can get around and, and uh, make this work and, and keep both campers and staff happy at camp. Absolutely. So. Great. Well, I want to thank you again. Thank you, Eric, for taking the time out of your busy day. I'm sure you have a, yeah, a computer full of emails and calls to get back to on a lot of the things we just discussed. Uh, we look forward to doing some more podcasts. In fact, our, our next one, if you check back soon, will be on menu planning. We'll have Jill Cohen uh, on with us. Jill's going to discuss a little bit about how to uh, prepare for the menu, uh, both in times of, of some of what we discussed now, as well as how to keep it a fun camp menu without breaking the bank. So check back soon, and thank you again for your time. I'm Josh Cohen from H&H &H Purchasing, and we look forward to uh, speaking to everyone soon again. Thanks. <laughs>